For those that don't know me, my name's John. I'm a member of the church here, New Life Community Church, part of one church in multiple locations. Wimborne, Dorset, Fordingbridge, Hampshire, maybe Verwood, Dorset, maybe Downton, Wiltshire, three counties. It's a real privilege being asked to bring God's word to you again this morning, Remembrance Sunday. Let's get this out of the way as well. And uh, we're coming towards the end of our series, working through the book of Hebrews. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, listening to the messages and learning as much as I have. And I just pray that God will speak to you clearly today, like he spoke to me when I was putting this together. This, the penultimate message, we've got one more to come after this one. So we're in Hebrews 12. And I've titled this, A Marathon, Not a Sprint. So, verse 1 of Hebrews 12 begins with the word, therefore. So, what does therefore mean? It's a conjunction. Now, my daughter will be proud of me because she's an English teacher. It's a conjunction, Hannah. Or, for Gordon, it's a bit like your bricks... It's your mortar in between your bricks. In the wall. So in this case, it's referring to what our Paul brought us last week on the heroes of faith. And it's referring to them being a cloud of witnesses. So here they all are. They're all there. Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, and the rest of the mob cheering us on. And at the end of Hebrews 11, verse 39, it says, all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had providing something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So they had to wait for the real hero, Jesus, who endured more than we're going to be ever be asked to endure or called upon to suffer. And they're waiting for us too. I'm going to have a swig. Now, I don't know if you remember when I spoke last time, but I, I said that the book of Hebrews tends to nail things on. Bang, bang, bang. A few times you know, the hammer and nails. Well, I think with Hebrews 12, it's a bit more of a, it's a drill. And this is why I'm saying this. In chapter two, there's a warning against neglecting your salvation or paying attention. In chapter three, there's a warning against unbelief. In chapter five, there's a warning against falling away. In chapter 10, a call to persevere. 
And now in chapter 12, do not grow weary. So it's a drill, carefully positioned, so that when the screwdriver twists the screw, it's in position and it's not going anywhere. So that's what I think Hebrews 12 is saying to us. So I'll read from Hebrews 12, 1 to 11. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against him, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the, exhor the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment of all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Father God, I just thank you for this morning, Lord. I just thank you for your word, and I just ask, Lord, that you would help us unpack this now. Lord, that you would shine a light on it, highlight bits to us, Lord, that we need to learn from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And um, in time on tradition, I've come up with three points. Now, ironically, when Paul first started us off talking about Hebrews, um, I came forward and said, God's got the kettle on, Hebrews. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> well, I do. 
So I've come up with three T's. The template. Come on, serious now. The template, training, and team. So template, what's the template? Something that serves as a model for others to copy. Jesus, the supreme example. First, first two tells us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne. So we start the race and we put our faith in him and allow him to command us. We finish, finish the race, get over the line and he decides when he brings us home. Jesus had a strategy. He chose to go to the cross because he knew the end result, the joy of seeing people like me and you being saved for eternity and being reconciled with God. He's got a strategy for us too. For him, the pain was agonizing, the shame was dreadful as he bore the curse of sin for the world. Even God the Father wouldn't look upon him as God the Son. He was utterly forsaken. And yet Jesus chose to endure all of that. And the final result, a glorious resurrection, the means by which God could bring many sons and daughters to glory. In Luke 9.22, he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day, be raised. And he's done it. And remember back on Hebrews 2, verse 10, for it was fitting that for whom and by whom all exists in bringing sons to glory should make the founder of the salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus knew exactly what was involved, but he didn't flinch. Now, we trust God because there's no other way to be saved. Acts 4.12 reminds us, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. No other name. He saw beyond the grief to the joy of fulfilling the divine plan. Our strategy has got to be the same. Philippians 2 and verses 8 to 9 reminds us he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. In my last message, I talked about Jesus being the high priest for whom all repent of their sins and acknowledged him as Lord of all. Through his shed blood, sinners 
can become saints. Now we're told in Matthew 7, 13 to 14, to enter through the narrow gate, for the wide gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Are we gonna find it? Yes, we are, aren't we? Good. So well done for getting this far. Sadly, we're not there yet. So we know what the template looks like. Let's go on to our second T, training. We're in a marathon here, not a sprint. So you've got to pace yourself. Sadly, not all of us who start are going to finish. In 1945, now, I wasn't around then, but I've read about this in a book, okay? <coughs> but <laughs> in 1945, there were three brilliant American evangelists. And I bet you only know one of them, Billy Graham. Because Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford were the other two. They were all in their mid-twenties, so about my age now. Um, and Templeton, he, they thought he was going to be the king. They thought he was going to be the gifted one out of the three of them. Templeton left the ministry in 1950 and had a career in radio and TV. He was a newspaper columnist. And he denied even the validity of the claims of Jesus. And then in 1954, Clifford lost his family, his ministry, his health, and then his life through alcohol and gambling. So three promising people, only one made it after 10 years. A sobering thought. Statistically, the fallout could be worse than that. So, by giving your life to Christ, you've made a good start, but you need to keep going and finish. This chapter gives us a heads up on what we can do to do this. We're told to lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. So to me, I see sin as a weight that's got to be ditched, a sack of spuds that's got to be removed, a monkey that's got to come off the shoulder. Sin's going to stop us from following Jesus, and it's going to stop us going forward because it binds us into the past until we repent and are therefore forgiven. Clinging, now, when I read clinging, it made me think of cling film. And it's sort of wrapped all around us and, and we're trying to untangle it, but we can't. And we're, we're looking for the knife to pull it off. And, and as well as sin, we've got other things, attitudes and priorities that can take us off track. Some of these are more subtle and possibly more difficult to deal with. Matters that distract us 
probably not wrong in itself, but slow us down and ultimately render us useless in God's kingdom. And as I started preparing this, I thought, do I go and have a game of solitaire on the computer? No. Come on, get on with it. Um, So, not wrong in itself, but just distractions and things to get in your way. I went to a recent um, commission conference, a few of us, didn't we, Paul? (laughs) And Jill. And there was a very powerful message about rest and about recharging your batteries and keeping going. So it's all a question of getting this into the right balance and the right measure of each thing. Things aren't wrong, they're just possible distractions. So now we're ready to run with endurance, the race set before us. Paul frequently, not you, the other one, um, Paul frequently used athletics and metaphors to to describe his work in the advance of the kingdom. And in athletics, the official starts the race, and he's there at the finish. Now with us, that person's Jesus. I don't really like the word endurance. It sort of (laughs) smacks a hard word. Um, That's not in there. (laughs) Isn't it great in chapter 11, the writer's given us about the Old Testament characters whose life stories are there to encourage us. We're not alone. They all went through it. Romans 15.4 tells us, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So it's all in there. We've just got to know when to, when to unpack it. We can't do this in our own strength. But if we focus on Jesus, he's going to help us. If we keep our eyes on him, listen to his word, keep in step with his spirit, then we're going to take the right path. Proverbs 4, 11 to 12 tells us, that's going well. <laughs> I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. It's like that was. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. So let's God's word and spirit work on our desires and decisions and then choose to run the race with perseverance, looking to Jesus. Here he comes. As I was preparing this message, <laughs> as I was preparing this message, I thought of a picture of some paper mache. Now we've probably all made this. You, you get a load of paper and glue it together in layers. To start off with, it's really flimsy, and then you get a few layers on it, and it's more robust, firm and solid. Our Christian walk can be like that. 
starting from a humble beginning. We give our lives to the Lord, and he gets to work on us. And the layers are glued in. And we're told in Romans 5, 1 to 5, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 2 Peter 1, 5 to 8 gives us some more layers. For this reason, make every... Got lost. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. Self-control with steadfastness. Steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and with brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now once we've cemented all that in, we're well on the way. However hard our struggles might be, it's important for us to realize that God's love is knitted into our suffering. Our suffering has not resulted in death as Jesus suffered. God uses every hardship as a training opportunity. Quoting from Proverbs 3, 11 to 12, the writer reminds us that fathers must discipline their children. Without his discipline and testing, we're likely to be very flaky believers, unable to withstand the pressures of temptation and persecution. God's discipline comes because he loves us. He doesn't, doesn't mean that he's abandoned us. He trains us. He trains those he loves. He loves. He tests those. He wants to use. And he uses all sorts of difficult things to stop us trusting ourselves and start trusting him. I don't know about you, I find it hard to think of all Think in all circumstances. Think, think it hard to give thanks in all circumstances. I struggle with that. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Endure hardship is a kind of instruction from a coach to someone in training. Here it's addressed to us. Disciple is... 
disciplines related to disciple, which means learner. So, so we've got the L plates on. It's not just a set of rules to be enforced, but an instruction to develop our personality and our character. James 1, 2 to 4 reminds us, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God is a lovely father and knows how to develop us. As a kid, we were probably discipled by our parents, disciplined even by our parents, and teachers at school. I remember getting the cane by the headmaster for getting near the pond when there was, <laughs> there was ice on it. Can you remember ice? <laughs> Jill's mum and my parents are brilliant. Got to say that. Jill's mum's still alive. Still alive. She might be listening, so I better say, Hi, Jean. <laughs> You're superb. Not all of us have been fortunate enough to have good parents like that, but no matter how good our parents or teachers are or were, the Lord knows all our weaknesses. His discipline goes on throughout our lifetime. And it's even more important when we think we've arrived, because we ain't. This letter, Hebrews 12, was written to those who were under a lot of pressure to back off from their relationship with Jesus and return to traditional religion. Those that stuck at this had a lot to learn, but were much better for it. Their character needed to be shaped in righteousness through God's word. Let's remember um, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every word, every work. So, allow God to train you. Allow the Lord to train you, despite the difficulties. He knows what he's doing. But discipleship isn't natural, is it? Or automatic. Disciples are made from people like me that once wouldn't submit to the Lord, but now will. We start our walk with Jesus slowly because we have no previous experience bit like when we first get behind the wheel of the car, isn't it? We need a good instructor. Someone who will teach us, keep us safe, and help us to pass the test. 
Similarly, athletics. Again, back to athletics. Those that have damaged the muscles in training or competition, they need the physio. Discipleship could be described as a sort of spiritual physiotherapy. We all need to know how to get stronger as disciples in Christ. That's why one of the reasons we've got it in word, we've got, we got the word in paper so we can keep looking at it and reminding ourselves. <clears throat> so, bodily training is useful, but spiritual training is essential. 1 Timothy 4, 7 to 8 tells us, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value of all things, holding promise for the present life and the life to come. So although we've ditched the L plates, when we pass our driving test, our training with the Lord is going to take a lot longer. And by the time we're called home, we're going to be ready. So we better look at the third T, team. Team, keep yourself fit, but look after your team members because we're all in it together. We're all part of the winning team. I'm going to carry on reading from Hebrews 12, from verse 12 as well. Therefore, another therefore, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it may become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who saw his birthright, who sold his birthright for a single meal. You know that afterwards, for you know that afterwards, when he, decide, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So, we've got the Old, character, the Old Testament characters encouraging us, and we're surrounded and we've got this picture of these heroes eagerly watching from us in heaven and cheering us on. And then in verses 12 and 13, in typical Isaiah and Proverbs fashion, we're inspired to endure in the race set before us. I was, as well as 14, I was particularly drawn to 15 when we were told to see to it that 
And when I see a see to it that, I think, hey, we're going to have to do something here. So, see to it we are to pursue peace and holiness and that we should be watching out for each other, watching out for each other, in order that no one else falls short of the gift of eternal salvation. So for those in the team, we need to make sure that we're encouraging everybody else to hang on in there with us. And I've got a bit of a, a story here. Our, our son, Matt, my nipper as I call him, even though he's 35, um, he took part in the London Marathon in 2018 with his mate. So we went up, Jill and I went up to London with the lovely Lauren, our, who's now our daughter-in-law. And it was a boiling hot day in April. And we made our way from our place in Ealing to Greenwich to cheer them off. 26 miles, 385 yards. Not for me. So they ran past the Cutisart into the distance and we thought, right, where do we go now? So jumped on the Docklands Light Railway to Shadwell because there's like a figure of eight there. So we could see them there, there, and there. Whoops, three places in sort of fairly quick succession. When we got to Shadwell, we'd, we'd heard that there was a shortage of wattage at, water at one of, the, um, one of the stations. So we nipped into this place and bought a few gallons of water, just in case. By now, they were roughly halfway through. But Matt was in agony. He dislocated his hip. Now, having had a new hip replacement, I know exactly what he was going through. <laughs> uh, we thought that was the end of it. He wouldn't carry on. So he had other ideas. Hated the idea of letting down the people that had agreed to sponsor him and the charity that was going to benefit from him finishing. So, and all first aiders, put your ears in your plugs now. He went up, he went up to these railings. And he knocked it back into place and carried on walking. He was in quite a lot of pain, but he was determined to do it. So what could we do, the three of us? Just walk with him. Get, get walking. As we counted, this is about 12 miles, 12 miles out. So we're counting down the miles. Most of the spectators had gone by then, but some of them were still clapping us on. Many of the runners had finished and were coming back with their medals cheering us on as well. It was a great feeling for all of us. It was a great feeling for the two lads that were in the marathon. It was a great feeling for us three <laughs> walking past with them. The momentum kept them going, and they finished. So when we've got a runner that's down, 
Let's not just leave them lying there. Let's get alongside them and run the race with them. It can be painful, hard at times, but think of the medals waiting and keep going. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 17. And I have to bring in the football at some stage. The AFC Bournemouth strapline, together, anything is possible. So it's got to be right, isn't it? <laughs> Let's not just leave it there. We need some new recruits for our team, don't we? So we can't sign them up. Only the Lord can do that. But with the Holy Spirit in us, let's move them on their path towards finding the Lord. And let's, do, let's make sure we don't do an Esau. Sell our medal on eBay or at a car boot sale. It says here I'm coming into land now. There you have it, the three T's. It's a marathon, not a sprint. The template, Jesus, foundector, foundector? Jesus, founder and perfecter of our faith. A template for all of us to follow. Training. The Lord is serious about training and he wants us to train hard and not give up. Layer by layer, he's, a, he's equipping us. And we can get there if we follow his instructions. But we're encouraged not to grow weary. And team, let's watch out for those that are struggling. Get alongside them and help them towards the finish. Philippians 3. 12 to 14 reminds us not only that I have not sorry I'll start again not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me brothers I do not consider myself yet so I've taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me home, heavenwards in Christ Jesus. So let's pray. Perhaps, Paul, if you could get the band up. Mm. Father God, I thank you for your word, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your template that you gave to us when you allowed Jesus to be crucified on the cross for us. Lord, as we run the race, 
our race. Don't let us grow weary, Lord. Help us to keep pressing on towards the goal to win the prize. And Lord, help us to watch out for those struggling and to help us to help those that need our help. Amen. Just before you sing, Paul, I've just got a few pointers that I think people might need prayer for. Um, I talked about the template, and I'm assuming that we all know who Jesus is, but if you haven't already found him and given your life to him, then you can do that here today. And if that's you, come and find me afterwards and we'll, we'll have a chat. And I did this 30-odd years ago and I've never regretted it. And for those that are feeling weary with the training, as I've told you, I'm afraid there's no quick fix, but if you, want, if you need prayer, let's, let's pray for you this morning. And if you're injured and need healing, let's pray for you too. And if there's anything else you need praying for, just come forward and we'll, we'll pray for you. We've got a powerful God who's going to help you. Amen. Oh,